Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we have no one here, but guess what? It's us. Yeah. So we're doing, we're trying out this new thing that we're calling Sounding Board, where when it's just Maureen and I, uh, we'll still record an episode. We're going to probably do this more often. And just kind of, like, talk about local politics and talk about, maybe do a little bit of housekeeping generally, but just so that, um, you know. We can stay in touch. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about, Maureen, being a person with the unfortunate, uh, position of working in the loop during Lala, is how was Lala going? <clears throat> a lot of white people. Yeah. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Um, so I work, sorry, I'm really tired tonight. Um, what time is it? It's 11. So I woke up at 3.30 and then worked from 5 a.m. until 4 p.m. Now it's 11, so I'm a little sleepy, but we're going to do this. Yeah. So... I work at Fairgrounds in the Loop. I don't normally work in the Loop. I, in fact, don't like working in the Loop. I quit I quit a job specifically because I did not like working in the Loop. And now I'm, I occasionally have to work in the Loop again, and I'm not happy about it. Um, but, of course, uh, they had me <laughs> as manager for 11 hours on the opening day of Lollapalooza Mm -hmm. right across the street from Millennium Park. Yeah. A lot of white people. Somebody tweeted, Migos crowd at Lollapalooza is is bigger than the crowd at Trump's inauguration. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Um, No, I mean, it was a lot of, it was a lot of white ladies in lacy bralettes which like in and of itself not a big deal i think when yeah. people get like shamey with the people with folks that are at lala in chicago it's, like, it's just i saw it was it was a majority of what i saw today yeah. to give you to give you a picture of the of the of the crowd no yeah my my thing was that i've just heard a lot of complaints ah, about festival like a, folks being I like, like a good bralette yeah currently rocking one currently wearing a bralette yeah killing it yep killing it um yeah i know the only other thing i really heard about festival folk is the like appropriative nature of it sometimes plus it's super expensive so it's like kind of low-key classist isn't it like really so i actually had a discussion about this with a woman who came in who was considering going to no okay so i had two separate conversations the first one i did not like very much Mm -hmm. the second conversation i enjoyed the first conversation was this guy i guess came in yesterday and asked and talk to the GM about, like, some kind of catering order thing, and then she forgot to tell me, and so then he came to pick it up, and I had to, like, cobble it together and then, like, walk it over to his office, which was, like, down the street. I, I like, walked with him to his office, and he was like, I've got two kids, and, you know, th- th- my kids would never be seen at Lollapalooza, because... You know, they're, first of all, it's so expensive as we, like, walk into his Michigan Avenue, <laughs> like, office. It's, like, beautiful. It's, like, fucking 
Google. It's not. It wasn't actually Google, but it was like this like open floor concept. Yeah. It was just like a bunch of white people with big IMAX, and he's like, "It's so Lollapalooza tickets are so expensive," and I was like, "Yeah, so is food." <laughs> yeah, so is my rent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And so. And then he was he was talking about how it's like it's all a bunch of kids getting drunk and it's all so expensive. I was like, you don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so that was a conversation that I was like, this is a little shamey. But then I had a conversation with um, a woman around my age. And she was like, yeah, I was going to go to Lala because it's this band that I really wanted to see. But it didn't end up working out. But now that I'm here and now that I'm downtown mm-hmm. and I just see like a bunch of 17, like drunk 17 year olds and bralettes like being really loud. I'm like really glad I'm not there. Yeah. For some, I don't know what it was. I, it could be that the first guy was just like this 45 year old, like rich white man. Yeah. That's and the, the wrong second, person to be complaining about. And it. the second person was like a 20, like a late 20s. Granted, white lady, but a white lady I can relate to. I was like, yeah, no, this is a conversation I can have with you. Yeah. Where we can can just purely complain about youths. Right. And not about their class, like, like their class. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Anyway. No, I've never been to a festival um, I don't know if I ever will go, not for, like, not wanting to, but they've also, I don't know if, I wonder if they've always been this way, where they're, like, just extreme kind of, like, drug dens, and I'm, you know, I smoke pot, <laughs> but, like, there's a difference between that, I think, and, like, I don't know, like, Molly, and do people do cocaine at Lala? I don't. I'm the wrong person. I... I I'm really not a drug I'm not a drug user really. That there was that one BuzzFeed video where they like, I think that's like when BuzzFeed videos started taking a turn for the worse, where they were like glorifying cocaine use. Do you know you know what I'm talking about? There's some like when your party gets crazy or something like, like seven things when your party is getting too turned or something stupid. And the third one is let's do cocaine. Yeah. Hmm. I don't remember. It's what's her name? The the blonde one woman that was doing it. I don't remember her name. From Florida. No. Um, no, she's got a really big space between her lips and her nose. This, her lips are way low on her face. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I'll find. I'll show you. Her, show you her later. If you know who I'm talking about at home, right into the show. Text us. Yeah. I'm into this thing where I pick a thing every episode to write into the show about, but they're, whenever they're, like, my favorite ones are the ones like that, where it's can like... Can we all, can we all take a moment, and Daniel and I will pause, while you go pause this podcast and go listen to Gasolina? Are you ready? Yeah. Alright, one, two, pause. Okay. Yeah. Nice. We're back. Well done. All right, cool. Well, so I think the Isn't one that of, a good song. Yeah, it is a good song. I think the formula for these shows is going to be something like this. I'm going to borrow from one of the shows I always loved, which is that we'll just like kind of 
shoot the shit for 10 minutes and then we'll get into stories. I think what I'm really excited about is covering local stories mm-hmm. because I don't know there's a lot of that. And so I think um, as far as like what you, you can expect from Sounding Board generally, it's going to be local stories, Chicago stories, arts and otherwise. Um, in fact, I have three stories for today and none of them are arts. Can I, can I do mine first? Yeah, you should. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that I had a job in the loop that I quit. Sorry. Sound issues. Well, I'm trying to... Sound. (laughs) Yeah. Sound issues for sounding board. What the hell? Sorry. Keep going. All right. So I had a job in the loop. I worked at a cafe. It was called Goddess and the Baker. We were there for like five months. Yeah, it was your first job in Chicago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when you worked there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I left because it was in the loop and it was really intense. And also, I just did not, I just didn't like working in the loop. Anyway, I came across this article um, in the, I think it was the Sun-Times, that it's going that this cafe in particular is going cashless yeah meaning that they will no longer accept cash yeah um and in the article uh the owner her name is um tamar um she owns all of them she's the goddess no the goddess is named deb sharp right uh tammy is the owner of goddess and the baker along with michael schultz who actually also owns Fairgrounds. Um, Keeps busy, that guy. He's an entrepreneur. And also a super legit dude. He also owns Goddess and the Baker. I think Tammy has more of a controlling interest in Goddess and the Baker, though. Yeah. Because Goddess and the Baker actually got super salty about when Fairgrounds opened. There was, like, this weird thing. Really? Yeah. Um, so, Fairgrounds' deal is that we're a, a multi-roaster coffee shop. It's, like, we're all about, like, discovery. Um, discovering new things that you like. And right before we opened, Goddess and the Baker said something like, Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Hashtag multi-roaster. Or so- something like that. Wow. And I, I went to orientation and I was like, yo, does anyone follow Goddess and the Baker on social media? And they were like, no, why? And I was like, well, I used to work there and uh, they're, they're throwing us some shade. Yeah. I was like, do you think Michael Schultz knows? Should I tell him? Wow. They're like, probably don't tell them, because we open in a day. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of, have you ever seen Wendy's on Twitter? Yeah. Wendy's on Twitter, man. Yeah. At Wendy's. Yeah. Well, um, anyway. Well, so, so, yes. So, I'm sorry. So, they're going cashless. Right. Um, Tammy's um, reasoning, she's quoted in the article, and and I'm, I'm conflicted about this issue, because... As someone who works in management at a cafe, I understand where she's coming from, where it is expensive and it is time consuming and it is a liability to accept cash at a, mm-hmm. at a, at a business. 
Um, it's a it's a liability because you're easily robbed. Um, it is expensive because you have to get a like an armored courier to come pick it up. Right, and change having to have change probably. That's not expensive because oh. you can just take cash and then go to the bank and exchange it for change. It's not that expensive, and typically what'll happen is that they'll scout their location and find a bank nearby like near mm-hmm. where they want to be and set up their banking at that location and then cause then they don't have to pay any fees on getting change yeah anyway um so um and it's time consuming because at the end and beginning of every like at opening and at close it needs to be counted and it's um, it makes that process, the process of opening the business and closing the business take longer. So mm-hmm. it, it, it is a pain in the ass to have cash. However, I'm conflicted because it's exclusionary and yeah. elitist to not accept cash because not every, cause having a banking, banking account and having it like a checking account is a privilege. Yeah. So, I'd like your... What are your thoughts, Daniel? Well, um, from the socialist perspective, uh, I think it is entirely classist and not... I mean, it's really inaccessible. I think when you start a business and you're running a shop like that, you have to assume and um, burden some of those financial burdens. I mean, I, I, I get them from a sense of things that, like... like I, I see the merit in the... Like, I, not the merit. What's the difference between something being justifiable and being correct? Like, it's a, it, you can make an argument yeah. for it. Like, I, the lo, it's a logical argument to make, but I think that ultimately, um, I mean, to when it comes to who should be shouldering the burden of holding cash, it's the multi-establishment um, store. Like, it's that's the that's who should. I mean. Uh- yeah, I'm also curious about your perspective because when you were working, like you you have held several jobs that were cash heavy, and not many jobs that are deposited. Oh yeah, I mean I've worked quite a, as a like a freelance. I get paid in cash a lot, and I mean in a lot of different jobs I've worked, I get paid in cash a lot, and you know it's um I mean it's still very much a um a part of our. Uh, framework for work and the other thing is that um, you know I know I've had to I have had difficulty setting up bank accounts in certain places in certain times there was a point of time where I was trying to set up an LLC um, and I couldn't do it because you needed to have $1,500 in the bank at first or not an LLC the LLC had nothing to do with it. But for an LLC I was founding with someone, I had to have a bank account. Um, and the bank account, the bank, the chase, you have to have a $1,500 minimum in the bank. And on top of that, it's a, a monthly fee. So, you know, um, I mean, and I'm a white, mean, like, educated, like, you know... I don't, I'm, 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 I consider myself... You have, the, you have privilege. Absolutely. Um, and so, I mean, like, you know, the whole the thing is for me is you, it's hard for me to, a lot of people want to critique these, um, 
I don't know, man. Even these, like, like this conscious, these conscious capitalist establishments, these, like, I don't mean to specifically be, like, bad-mouthing, like, a lot of the coffee shops that I know and love, but, you know, you know, like, establish, like, I mean, how many times do you have people come into your coffee shop complaining about there not being enough black people or something? That happened once. But, I mean, and it's a dumb, it's a dumb example to no, bring up. But, but, I mean, like, it did happen once. I'm pretty sure that it was a case of some mental instability on the gentleman's part. But also, but, it's like, then, you know, certain establishments want to right. set up there things. But he was right, there weren't many, there were like, I, <laughs> at that point, there were no black people in the store. And I, and he like, asked me in particular, and I was like, uh we're gonna work a park. I don't know, man. Talk to talk to the aldermen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of my my take. Uh, I mean, if anyone's gonna do it, obviously it's gonna be Goddess and the Baker. But I guess that's my point is is like then Goddess and the Baker doesn't get to make the the argument that they're accessible because they're well, not. And also, the article continued to say like it's an it's an ongoing trend in a lot of businesses. Yeah. Like There's a Manhattan based salad company called Sweet Greens that is entirely cashless. Oh, man. And I, well, that's the thing is, um, so there was another, like, kind of discussion about, um, about veganism in uh, a leftist group that I am, that I follow. Um, and they were kind of basically talking about the same thing where it's just so inaccessible. These kind of, like, healthy trends or these food trends are so frequently inaccessible because... Because, you know, you get into, anytime that something's a dairy alternative or whatever alternative, there's usually a dollar markup. And there's no real reason for that, you know, like... You know what I like about uh, fairgrounds? What's that? There's no markup for non-dairy. Good for them. Yeah. Frankly. No, I like, for the most part, like, really It's like the same. It costs the same. Yeah. What you're doing is you're, um... Can, I can't think of the word, but it's it's a meaningless markup. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. Absolutely. Well, um, do you want to go to the next story? Yeah. I, if, sure. No, if, yeah. Y'all, if y'all have any thoughts about businesses no longer accepting cash, it's, it's, a, it's a topic of interest to me. I was talking yeah. to my coworkers about it today, and um, one of them said that it didn't affect them because they no longer carry cash with them, and so, like, who... Who even cares? Right. And then the other person, I was like, well, what about bank account minimums? And she was like, I have $1 in one of my bank accounts and it's fine. And But I think that what a lot of people have run into is the ability to set up kind of student checking accounts. And you don't even have and to And then be, you kind of keep you, that. You don't have to be a student to just to set up a student banking account if you're I mean in some cases you do in some cases you don't you're right well when I set up my PNC account okay I had graduated from college I was no longer a student I went in there like two months after I graduated college and they were like hmm are you in school and I was like no and they were like are you gonna be going to school and I was like no and they were like are you doing anything educational right now? And I was like, I'm taking voice lessons. And they're like, great, student checking. Yeah. So, like, they were, like, looking for a reason to give me a student checking account. Okay. Um, well, I mean, that's the thing is PNC exists outside of that, made those four major banking institutions, the Chase. 
Yeah. Aren't awesome. they all one now? Like, I have no idea. Haven't we gotten to the singularity in far as far as banking is concerned? The singularity. Yeah, I don't know the monolith, like the banking monolith. <laughs> I think, I think that's more apt than the singularity. That yeah. would be like if the ATMs took over the bank. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, first it's cashless, next the ATMs are going to develop their own AIs. Oh, no. Anyway. They're going to develop their own language, and then Facebook is going to have to shut them down. But, did you think they, maybe they didn't even succeed, we don't even know if they succeeded or not, who knows? Maybe it was the, maybe it was the uh, AI that wrote those articles and Mark Zuckerberg is dead. (laughs) That'd be crazy. If the AI murdered Mark Zuckerberg. We gotta be careful, because Facebook will not share this post. If we talk too much about Facebook. That's fair. We'll stop. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, um, I'm kidding mostly. I can't, basically I can't mention Facebook in the text of the post is what I've learned. Oh, really? Oh, I'm not kidding. Like, that, it'll be like, uh, did you mean to talk disparagingly about Facebook in your post? If you're trying to sponsor it, you mean? Yeah. Okay. But still. I was going to be like, I, I can talk, I can, yeah. whatever. So I like now, now I'm so feeling self conscious about talking poorly about Facebook, even though I have strong Facebook opinions. No, I think I think in our podcast, if we get kicked off Facebook, y'all will still support us, right? Right. Right. <laughs> All right. So um, here's what I, in the uh, never ending trend of us figuring out the format of this show on the show, I realize as the, the way that we handled that first story was really nice. Where I think if one of us like pitches the story, we should like basically pitch the story on air and then um get the other person's thoughts okay you know what i mean so was there a story in the three stories that we've talked about already that you think you would want to pitch to me the three stories that you pitched already or do you just want me to read the first one i want to read wait a minute we're gonna find the talk about the cats for a second the our cats yeah talk about them i missed them so we were in um door county for a few days we were expecting to do one other interview, but it kind of didn't pan out. Which is kind of why we were like, you know what? Um, we're going to work on our... Because, you know, as we've left out, we've uh, exited these scappy sessions run, we've been generally thinking about, um, you know, what our steady run of things is going to look like, how we're going to be doing things, just the two of us, and how we want to be doing more of that so you all have something to rely on. So that, you know, folks that uh, catch us when they're on the car, or when they're on the car, when they're in the car, when they're on the way to work, or whatever, you can kind of start relying on that more. Um, and that's kind of the hope for us, is that we could be doing this five days a week, and and then to make that happen, maybe we fill in the times that we don't do it with actual meaningful content like this, where it's easy on, specifically, Maureen's schedule. Because, like, for me, it's, it's not too difficult for me to find time... Um, between freelancing to yeah. find stories. Um, well, and also, what's nice about, you know, considering my schedule, I've figured out, I've, like, carved out a really good thing that I always have Sundays free. Yeah. I always have Monday mornings free. I always have Tuesdays and Thursdays after 5 free. Yeah. So it's I have, important to find those are, times. There are like, there are four spots within a week that I guaranteed have free, specifically to do scoppy things. Yeah. 
So that being said, if anybody out there is interested in coming on and talking to us... Um, we have a lot of stuff in the works that we're really excited about, interviews absolutely. and stuff. Absolutely. I think we're kind of, we've kind of treated the first hundred episodes like a, a season of content, and there's not going to be a break in between the first and second, I mean, short of what we're in right now, which is kind okay. of a slower period. But. I'm, um, I have a bunch of reminders set on my phone's calendar to contact people with my availability on given weeks. Yeah. And there are, I have like six of those. Yeah. So if you are, for whatever reason, listening and you are trying to set up an interview with us... Contact me. Right. Tell me a week that you're interested in talking to us. And the Friday, Saturday, or Sunday of that week, or like the Friday, Saturday before that week, or the Sunday of, I will contact you with available times. Yeah. That is the best way to go about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Cool. Or you can just pick a Sunday, a tu- a Sunday anytime. No, Sunday before five, Tuesday before. So oh, fuck, Sunday before five, Monday, Monday before before one, Monday before one, Tuesday after four, Tuesday after four, Thursday, Thursday after four. four. Cool, cool. All right, so um, I want to start getting into stories. Um, <clears throat> so no. I know which one I want to pitch. I want to do the the abortion one, but you can go first. Great. Then I'm going to do the gubernatorial race stuff. Good. All together. Great. Um, so the first story I really want to talk about is Governor Rauner just vetoed a school bill. Um, Boo. Yeah. So it was... Uh, so here's the veto message. He says that the Rauner said the bill places the burden of the Chicago public schools broken teacher pension system, pension system on our rural and suburban school districts. This is not about taking resources away from Chicago. This is about making historic changes to help poor children and in Chicago and throughout the state of Illinois. Um, Yeah, it's about pandering to rich white voters and ignoring the voiceless black voters. Mm -hmm. It's, um, It's a trend that's going on a lot right now. I mean, politically, generally, is this rural versus urban debate. And um, it's something that we're seeing a lot in Illinois politics. Um, and it's something that uh, I've been f- keeping up on my Illinois state politics. I mean, there are a few sources that I go to, but I, the reason I like who I like right now in the gubernatorial race. Gubernatorial. Yeah. And it's still early. Like, it's not like we're about to be voting for governor tomorrow or something. But I, I like Pawar. And the reason for that is he's very progressive, and he's also on top of it issue by issue, which I think is what we need in a in a governor is issue by issue politics. That that frankly, I've agreed with everything he's said so far, and I've been kind of paying attention to him for like a month or two now. So, and this is something that so Illinois is a weird animal when it comes to a state, just mm-hmm. because it has one enormous like. On an international level, a major city. Like, one of the major players when it comes to cities in the world. Um, But it also has, like, 95% of the rest of the land in Illinois is, like, agricultural, pretty much. Um, And so, you need to have... And the governor is the governor of all of that. It is the governor of a major financial center of the world. And, like, you know, you know, financial arts, 
you know, all of these things. But it's also, like, he's also the governor of, like, soybean farmers in Malta, right. Illinois. Right. So my only worry... With a candidate like Puar. With a Puar. candidate like Puar, who is currently Alderman. our alderman yeah. in Andersonville, is how does being the alderman of Andersonville in Chicago translate to being the governor of a state where 95% of the land is agricultural. Yeah, that's fair. No, I I would love to find a way to reach out and, and ask and like talk with Powar and just ask him a couple questions. In the meantime, though, I do want to read his statement um, on SB... The bill is called SB1. Um, and that's the bill that Rahner vetoed. Uh, and so Powar's statement, this is about halfway through, no parent in this state is ever going to pick a politician over their school or their teacher or their child. Governor Rahner got 90% of what he wanted in SB1, and yet the only reason Governor Rahner said he would veto this bill is because it helps Chicago public schools get the same parity and equity that all the other school districts across the state would. This is the same governor who talks about CPS as prisons and calls Chicago teachers illiterate. This is a governor who goes downstate to poor white communities and tells them the reason why their schools don't get funded is because those people in Cook County and Chicago get more than their fair share. The governor is completely out of touch with the majority of Illinoisians who supported this common sense approach to education funding. He's incompetent at doing his job, and he's ignoring all rational thought to pursue a racist, divisive agenda that puts millions of dollars of school funding at risk merely weeks before schools are scheduled to start. <laughs> Um, which I mean, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I am very interested in, in his agricultural, uh, thoughts and, and practices and things, but, but the education fact is, is hugely important. And it's, it's something that's been, um, you know, talked about a lot right now is CPS, um, because it is so extremely underfunded and it is so extremely segregated. Um, and it's a serious issue and it, it really should not be like, it really, I don't know. Um, I mean... You know, we talk a lot about, like, how Illinoisians get taxed and all these things. And, and citywide, Rahm Emanuel likes to set up a lot of different kinds of, like, he's got the soda tax coming up. Um, and the, um... Does that go to school? The bag tax. Fucking who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's... it's That's kind of... Rahm Emanuel's got this, like, middle Democrat, uh... You know... <laughs> these like little taxes that don't make a difference in the system instead of like really well, that's so that's what i really like about pawar actually this that this thought really transitions well into my third thing mm -hmm. um the first thing was the Rahner bill period the second thing was pawar's response the third thing is that pritzker um should be pritzker is another another gubernatorial candidate mm -hmm. um and he detailed his health care plan recently um, first off, folks in Illinois that are fat shaming J.B. Pritzker, go fuck yourself, because that's not... Is that happening? Absolutely. Big time. Major time. Major. Um, because right. he, Well, because he's rich, and he's, you know, like, it's... Listen. Fat shaming is never okay. Yeah. I don't care if it's Chris Christie. I don't... I, I don't care if it's Donald Trump. I don't care. Yeah. Fat shaming is fat shaming. And it is completely separate from anything that a person says or does. Yep. Donald Trump's ass in golf pants 
his ass could look the same and he could be Gandhi. It would not matter. Yeah. And Chris Christie could be Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. And if he was still saying the same deplorable shit, I would hate him just as much. And J.B. Pritzker, I don't... So what if he's fat? Mm-hmm. If would he be? I don't. I'm so. It it it's 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 personally insulting to me. Like if if I hear you fat shaming, someone anyone, I it. Just don't do it around. Don't do don't do it. Don't do it around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that is the one thing I wanted to say about Pritzker, and I'm really glad that you elaborated that thought, um, because I, I think your thoughts on that topic are really well um, formulated. Um, the other thing about Pritzker is his healthcare plan is basically an extension of, a, of the ACA, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is not a, is not a bad thing, um, but it's not necessarily a good thing. And I think the, the thing that um, we really need to make sure that we're outlining when we talk about healthcare right now is what is really being shopped so basically, there's kind of like three avenues. The first is repealing Obamacare, repealing mm-hmm. the ACA, which is which is means that there is no option. There's no option for public health care. There is no. Right. It's just. It's just not private. There. Um, yeah, and it's all insurance company based, and it's all people working within the insurance company systems, mostly getting health care um, through work. So that's one thing. The second is the ACA and, to an extension, what Pritzker is kind of advocating, which has really kind of lined Pritzker up into this um, middle Democrat, frankly neoliberal, um, very much trying to make the best conscious capitalism, making the best out of the capitalist structure, Um, which is there being a public option where Illinoisians would be then paying a premium uh, if they're not already um, available to get Medicaid, they would then be paying a further premium. Is which it Illinoisans? Maybe, yeah. We should. I should get better at that if we're going to keep covering Ill- local Illinois politics. Illinoisans, sorry that if that is upsetting to you. Um, anyway, not upsetting. I'm just curious. No, I agree. Right into the show. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, he says, It is clear that the cost of oh, Illinois yeah. families will be competitive with plans being offered in the private insurance market. Um, I mean, yeah. And so then, you know, the, the two other major progressive candidates right now, Pawar and Biss, of course, jumped on this opportunity to kind of comment on it. Um, Pawar the progressive that he is. Uh, Illinois needs a single-payer health care system and its governor. I will take the steps to get us there. Uh, under a single-payer system advocated by many progressives, health care would be run by the government, and that would eliminate the need for private health insurance. And that's kind of the third option. So when I was talking about there really kind of being three options shopped around right now, that's the third, and that's the idea. And, and frankly, um, there's a lot of uh, politicians that have outlined this, but a single-payer health care system would be more affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that, uh, for those that don't know, is that the reason that healthcare is so expensive is because the insurance companies are the ones setting the cost because of the fact that we have all of this bureaucratic, um, 
with bureaucratic folks in every aspect of the insurance uh, companies, and those people need to be funded. And so that's kind of where we're getting all of this uh, overreach of cost. Overreach, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, and, and Biss also made a statement that saying that he was disappointed that JB considers healthcare an option rather than a human right. Right. Yeah, so I mean, they they both kind of measure up in a similar place on that. I think that noir. legitimately, I think it does come down to people, th- how people consider healthcare. Yeah, is, absolutely. Is it a right or is it a privilege? Well, you know, and I think that's kind of one of the outlines of what makes someone a a neoliberal Democrat versus a New Deal Democrat. That is the mindset, really, right there. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of conflation of what the term neoliberal actually means. Um, and it really is, but it really is the new liberal movement of the 80s and 90s of people just trying to make capitalism work for them, really applying conservative uh, financial institutions into the Democratic Party. Things that Reagan instituted and then Clinton, Bill Clinton, um, furthered. And that's that's what it really is. I think if people are, like, calling identity politics neoliberal, they're just a, a sexist fuck and, and fuck them for that. Um, but there is a, also a really solid critique of neoliberal politics um, and something that is worth pointing out if you're not being a sexist fuck about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's my... Well, speaking of... Oh, beautiful. Yeah, this sets up the next thing really well. Speaking of um, conservative ideals entering into the the Democratic Party, um, Democrats are considering dropping, or no, they're saying they will drop a decades-long policy on withholding financial support to candidates who oppose abortion. Yeah. Um, which, um, is, I think, proof that currently the DNC is working on skewing right as opposed to skewing left. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, it's, it's people, try, oh, God. It's That's people. okay. It's, it really, um... It backs up something I've said on the show before, yeah. which is that Nancy Pelosi is way more conservative than anyone yeah. thinks she is. she's actually quoted in this article. Yeah. So, um, the two... I find myself feeling similarly, but to a lesser degree, similarly to how I felt about businesses no longer accepting cash, where I understand why they're doing this. Because they are, because tr- the Democratic Party is trying not to alienate anybody, and actually, I know a fair number of people who align themselves, who who consider themselves to be Democrats, mm. but are pro-life, and they do not see themselves in the Democratic Party currently, mm. um, and and it's mostly individuals who are religious yeah um well i mean roosevelt and kennedy folded in a lot of catholics yeah absolutely 
Which um, I, so the sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just I'm just like furthering your thought in that the like it's it's logically an an option, but well, I, I think it's a matter of but sorry, go ahead, yeah. There's there's an so I like I I understand why they're doing this because they're trying not to alienate liberal Christians, which currently they're doing. However, um, there is a quote. All right, M- Mitchell Still, who oversees campaigns for NARAL Pro Choice America, said. Throwing weight behind anti-choice candidates is bad politics that will lead to worse policy. The idea that jettisoning jettisoning this issue wins elections for Democrats is a folly contradicted by all available data. Mm -hmm. So basically what we're looking at is the possibility of Democrats conceding their stronghold on like, the Roe v. Wade decision. Yeah, and I mean, that's really what's at stake there. And yeah. I think it, I think generally it, um, it indicates something that we've kind of been talking about a lot with the Democratic Party is that it's really trying to appeal to... Everybody. N- no, it's really oh, coming yeah. back to, like, what people were talking about 40 or... They're decades behind, is my point. They're, they do not want to listen to, like, millennial voices. They think youth, the youth vote is not as important as the, like, Christian vote. Which I think is foolhearted. You know, I think that the fact that the fool-hearted? Democrat... Fool. Foolhearted. Foolhardy? Foolhard... Sure. I think it's foolish to not listen to the youth vote. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, there is that, um... There was that video that went that did the rounds that like is probably the reason why the Democratic Socialists of America has gotten as popular as they have, of um, Trevor Hill, uh, asking Nancy Pelosi a town hall question, and basically being like a lot of millennials are really critiquing capitalism. Like, what will the Democratic Party do about this? Not even saying like will the Democratic Party come out against capitalism because of course they're not going to do that. Um, but she just completely shut it down. She was like, that it will never be a discussion that we have. Um, and it's, uh, it's that, and it's identity politics, it's all of these things where the Democrats, they don't want to, they don't want to concede left, they want to concede right. They don't want to listen to the youth, they don't want to listen to the future of the party, they want to listen to, they want to, they want the Chuck Schumers and the Nancy Pelosi's to really be dictating policy. Um, and I mean, I don't think this is the case for the broad majority of the Democratic Party, but I think when we're talking about, you know, critiquing the left and critiquing women's rights and critiquing race issues in the left, uh, let's do it on both sides of the left. Because, yeah, there are, of course, sexist and racist progressives, but really the center of the center of the Democrats, the ones that, like, as far as decision making in, in the in the in Washington is concerned, the center of the line is where we really need to be concerned. Mm-hmm. Are you fading fast? I'm asleep. <laughs> well, I think this was. I think we've gotten all of our. We've gotten through all the stories, so we can close up if you want to. Mm-hmm. 
Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. Uh, if you liked what you what we've heard today, let us know. Please let us know specifically this episode, um, because this is us trying out this new format. This um, sounding board is what we're calling it. We'll be doing uh, politics, local arts, local politics, local arts. I I really would like to. I've I've appreciated this jaunt recently into politics. I miss talking about art. Yeah. And so if anybody out there has art things. Stories. Yeah. Please questions. Shoot us questions. Please send them to us. Because I work full time and Daniel reads political stories. So please send us art stories. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm keeping an eye out. There's, you know, there's not a lot. I mean, there's a few things going on right now, but in, in, in two, I mean, folks that live in Chicago know that in two months there's going to be a lot of art stuff going on. Three months over the next fall and, and winter and spring, we'll be getting a lot more of, of this of that happening. But for right now, yeah. So yeah, please let us know what you thought. Um, send in questions. That's going to be super helpful. We'll have a lot more time to answer listener mail as we um, are releasing more episodes. So yeah. Um, otherwise, you can keep up with us on social media. Facebook, Scopy Magazine, Instagram and Twitter, at Scopy Mag, Tumblr, Scopy Mag, S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. And as always, I'm here to emphasize the importance of donations. We run on a shoestring budget. Everything that we've been able to do up until this point has been due to your generosity, so thank you. Uh, We are currently offering a cool incentive for new monthly donors. Um, Our next donor will receive... A 30-day unlimited yoga gift card to Be Yoga Andersonville. Frankly, y'all, that's a fantastic deal. And we have other ones lined up, and no one's taken this one yet. It's been a few days. Yeah. Um, So I don't know how much longer it's going to last. So I know we keep mentioning it, um, but, like, really get on this. Like, this is a good deal. Or I'll use it. Yeah. Like, really, though. (laughs) Um, Do that. Um, Sorry. It's okay. important. Um, you can head to our website, scopymag.com slash about. Uh, if you can become a monthly donor, you will uh, start to receive prizes and cool things. If you want to do a one-time donation that is also incredibly cool, uh, we will uh, send you a handwritten thank you note to show our appreciation. Um, so, yeah. Give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and for fuck's sake, share. New edition, huh? No. Thank you all so much for listening. Go out and make something. <laughs>